0: Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. Let's get relaxed, because it's been a stressful time, right? It's been a stressful, sexless time. And I mean that even if you're in a couple. I refuse to believe that if you're in a couple, you guys still want to have sex with each other after like 39 days of quarantine. No. Fake news. I have to believe you're in the same sexless boat that us single girls are. Anyway, let's roll our shoulders back. Let's relax. Let's breathe into our belly. Feel our chest relax. Feel our ears relax. Our jaw loosen. And breathe in through the nose. And out. And Today, our mantra is going to be, I trust the process. Okay? So we're going to breathe in. We're going to think I trust the process and we're going to breathe out why I trust the process why is that our mantra for this week and you know maybe we're going to start coming up with mantras every week and I am very open to your mantras if you guys want to let me know some phrases that kind of calm you down and give you a big rush of positivity that cocaine like rush of happiness (laughs) because we got to find it in healthy places not in places that are going to ruin our nose jobs. We're going to trust the process, because if there's one thing I've learned in life, everything is right on schedule. And I've been listening to a lot of Joel Osteen lately. I I love him. He looks like a like a wise little hedgehog. And I love him. I think he's an incredible orator. And, you know, I'm not ultra Christian. I mean, I'm not even really barely Christian, but I am very into rhetoric and I'm into logic and I'm into motivational speaking. And he was saying something today about, you know, the process of birth. He was talking about birth, that like before you, before birth happens, before this wonderful new life comes into the world, there's pain and there's suffering and there's confusion and there's panic and oh my God. And that's just from the mom. The same thing happens with the baby. It's like, I'm in the womb, I'm chilling, I'm moving around here, I'm kicking mom when I want to, I'll get my food. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose and into the birth canal you go. But that process is necessary to get to the other level, right? To get to the other side. And yeah, the womb is cool, but eventually you're going to outgrow it. Like you can't stay in there forever. So you got to go through that process to get to the other side. And the mom knows that. And the baby on some level knows that. And then it's like we get out into the world and we kind of forget about processes. And we kind of forget that, you know what, we're going to have to go through processes at some point in our life and we just have to trust them. And we don't know where they're going to go. When we go off to college and we're like, I don't know, am I going to hate it here? Am I going to love it? When you start a new job, when you have a baby, when you just learn to drive. Think about how scary that was when you learn to walk. You're like, I don't know what, where am I going? I'm just heading towards the coffee table up on two legs now. But you did it. So we're still in quarantine. We're all kind of freaking out. I really think society's devolving, honestly. Like people seem to just be hitting this wall in terms of sanity and anxiety and fear and panic and hatred. And I get where that's coming from, you know? But we are thinking women, we are the wise women, we are the mighty women who are awake. And so we know to trust that process, that we're in the middle of something, but we don't know what it is. And we are going to move through to the other side of it, because that's what we do. We grow. So today, our first question is coming from Jen. And she titled it, why do men go for the girls with nothing to offer? Child, have we not all asked ourselves this question? So she said, I'm a career lawyer. I value myself highly. I'm highly intelligent. I make a lot of money on my own. I'm successful. I'm independent. And... I was recently ghosted by a guy I was dating. Ghosted. He straight away started seeing this girl who is a drug addict, like an actual drug addict. And she's in and out of rehab. She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have ambition. I don't understand how or why he feel like he chose her over me. He's always said how much he admires my work ethic, my intelligence, and that I'm so competent. Is this more of like an alpha male, alpha female, beta male thing? I haven't spoken to him since and he told me, oh, I've got a lot going on, but I'm just so confused. Oh, my God, I know this feeling. I know this feeling, right? I know it so, so well. Like, I can't count how many times I've been passed up for a girl who, like, I just did not get it. Yeah, maybe a drug addict. Maybe she didn't have a job, didn't really care to. She just kind of wanted to be a gold digger. She was a cheater. She was crazy. And I'm like, is this a fucking joke? Right? But look. You're making one grave error, the same error that I made. You're assuming this guy is on your level. And he might look it. He might say that he is. Who, who comes up to you and is like, hey, I am actually your inferior. No, everyone, especially men, they're like, no, I'm your equal. Yeah, baby girl, we're on the same wavelength, right? But none of that actually means anything. Because like I said, of course people are going to say it. His behaviors say otherwise. And we always have to look at behaviors. What I got from your message is that this person actually found his equal. And you probably looked at him as a guy who had it together. But based on who he chooses to be around, he doesn't. He doesn't have it together. My guess is that he had some sort of chaotic situation in his life, maybe his family. And that's what he needs to be around. Someone who cheated on me in the past, it was it was the same way. He had to find chaos because that's what he grew up with. And if he didn't find it, if I didn't bring it into the relationship... He would create it. He'd find a way to get back there because that is what was familiar. And like we know, people don't pull themselves towards what makes them happy. They don't pull themselves towards what makes them better all the time. They pull themselves towards what is familiar. And to you, familiarity is success. It's health. It's wholeness. It's achievement. It's independence. It's love. And to him, and honestly, (laughs) to a lot of people, it's not that. It's chaos. It's misery. It's hatefulness. So you're right. I'm sure he does admire your work ethic. I don't think that was a lie at all. But everything you are reminds him of everything he is not and never will be. And he knows that. On some level, somewhere deep down in the dark places at night, he knows that. So he's got to go where he's finding his equal or his inferior so that he can feel more like a man. I think of people sometimes like birds there's all different kinds of birds, right? But birds, for the most part, they don't kind of like mingle. You don't see the crows with the pigeons and the seagulls chilling with the chickadees. It's like, you know, they got their little bird clicks. And they can all fly. But to what degree? What do they eat? Do they scrabble around on the ground for old pizza and cigarettes like pigeons? Or do they soar majestically like eagles? Eagles are fucking terrifying, by the way. Have you ever seen one up close? They can see right into your soul. They're like, you didn't file your 2008 income taxes, Shallon. And look, pigeons and eagles aren't friends. They stick to their own. And the eagle doesn't say, oh, my God, did just, that pigeon did not want to hang out with me. I should should I start eating cigarettes, too? I've got this delicious salmon, but I I feel like maybe I should get some old fries like the seagull. No, they simply fly away. And sometimes we got to look at people like pigeons are like, you know what, man, we're both birds. We can both fly But I'm in a completely different level than you are. And that's okay. You're at your little pigeon level that looks like a delicious discarded Marlboro Red. But I've got different things to do. I've literally got bigger fish to fry. So you can go where your little pigeon heart takes you, and I'm going to go where my eagle heart takes, takes me. Because truly, another thing I've learned is that people end up with who they're supposed to be with. They end up with their equal. They end up with their good match. And that was not a truth I wanted to admit to myself when I've looked at my past relationships. When I was with someone crappy and I'm like, well, Shallon, why were you with this person? Because you did need chaos at that time. Because you did want drama. Because you weren't going to be happy and healthy and maybe you were going to cheat on them. So, hey, it was all right if they cheated on you and you didn't have a lot of ambition and neither did they. Water seeks its own level. And when I stepped back and was like, you know what, I'm going to shut off this pigeon stuff. It's time for me to be the eagle that I am. I shed those people too. And you release them with love and you got to just fly away. This question comes from Chloe. And she is really stressed about a quarantine family situation. She said, it's basically driving my parents to possibly divorce. She said, this whole thing is driving my family crazy. My parents have been fighting a lot. There's all this stuff going on between my parents father, and he called my mom's sister and complained to her about money and how they always have to pay for everything for my grandmother, and but my aunt helps out, and long story short, it's just been this crazy family war, and my mom's upset, and she feels like his actions have permanently damaged her relationship with her sister, and I don't know what to do. What can I do to help, and what do you think they should do? So, like I said, people are hitting the wall, right? And people are dressing up their existential fear— their crazy anxiety and just their misery in a variety of ways. I was reading today that Cecily Strong, you know, she's on Saturday Night Live. She um, she's got brown hair. She would do the weekend updates. She wrote this essay for Vulture, and it was like a glimpse into madness. I mean, she's her cousin just passed away from brain cancer. Her boyfriend, who's quarantined his own apartment, has Corona. She's in her house, and she's just in like a spiral. And I. you read it and you're like oh my god this poor girl like she's going through it and I know that it's like okay she's not going to be out of a job financially she's she's okay you know she's probably in a sort of nice apartment you know and she's just in the shit and it's like wow everyone is like this is so hard on everyone and we all kind of pick a thing to localize on in times of trouble and this is what like a hurt locker is, and we talk about hurt lockers a lot. Like we we focus on a guy when other things in our life aren't going well because we think like, oh, this the guy thing would be easier to solve than, say, my relationship with my mother or my poor health and the fact that I've gained fifty pounds and I hate my body right now. So, you know, like we pick something that seems solvable, and I think <clears throat> that's happening in Corona and like we're picking. Something to sort of localize on. And I think your dad is picking this money thing. And money might be a very, very real worry for him right now. I know it is for a lot of people. I mean, it's it keeps me up at night thinking about where this world economy is going to go and how people are suffering. It's, it's You just feel so helpless, you know? And I'm sure he feels like that, too. This whole thing is kicking up a ton of existential dread. What? Who am I without my tribe? Are we all going to die? What if another virus comes up again in a year? How are we going to get through this? And it's kicking up real dread, money, health, mortality, all of that. So like I said, people are picking different little peccadillos, little buttons to push, little like balls of foil to bat around in. So acknowledge that a lot of what's going on is that. And that's where this is coming from. The good news is this too shall pass. You know, I think once this is over for a lot of us, our anxiety will dial back down and things will start to equalize because we will be able to default to our coping mechanisms, our friends, travel, going for a run in the park, licking doorknobs, whatever it is that makes us happy. You know, but and we've talked about this before, what fucks things up isn't so much the thing. The money, the licking of door handles, the hoarding of toilet paper, you know, whatever the thing is we're arguing about, it's the hurtful thing said in the heat of battle. It's how you deal with that thing. That's what people remember. What you can do to help is be supportive of everyone involved. Hear everyone out and make them feel heard. You don't need to fix this. Honestly, it's not your place. And no one expects that of you. Literally no one expects that of you. I've talked before about how I think part of my own codependence in previous relationships were like they were chaotic and I was rushing in to fix. I mean, look what I do for a living. I help fix you guys. is because I felt like that was my place in my family. My mom and my grandmother would fight and I was like real or imagined. I felt like it was I had to rush in and fix it. And I've said that to my mom recently and she was like stunned. She's like, no one expected you to fix anything. You were a child. And I'm like, well, no, but I had to. And she's like, no, you didn't. The adults had to fix it. And I'm like, "But even when I was in college, she's like, still, no, we didn't expect that of you. Now, of course, no parent wants to think, oh, I had all these expectations for my child to be a fixer. And and my mom was right. Like she, she genuinely doesn't believe, you know, that that was ever my role. And I, I, I think she's right. I think a lot of it is just me misremembering, or that was just the story I applied so that I could feel like I had some agency and that I could do something. But it goes to show like, no, your family probably isn't expecting that, you know, everyone in any time of strife, you know what they want? They just want support. They don't want it to be fixed. You ever come home from a bad day and you're bitching about your coworker, or your friend and your boyfriend's like, well, you could have just told him blah, blah, blah. Why do not you run up to HR? And you're like, Kevin, can you just listen to me? You know, you just want to hug. You just want to, babe, I'm so sorry. I love you. You're great. I'm sorry this is happening to you. You must feel X, Y, and Z. I'm here for you and I love you. Right? That is all you need to do. So maybe do something that encourages that feeling within your family. Do a daily family meditation on like, I don't know, Headspace or I I use Headspace because I like their little cartoons. (laughs) Or maybe a moment of prayer or put on a TV show that everyone used to love. If you love the Golden Girls, be like, let's binge the whole first season. We're doing this. I'm making some popcorn. We're sitting down. Get the Twizzlers. And then you guys can laugh together. You can reignite those feelings of harmony. And those are gonna carry over. We assume that parents have it all together, but look, they are just as freaked out about this virus, if anything more so, because they've got more to lose. They've got us, they've got they've got like their parents and us, their children. You know, they've got all these generations to think about. And of course we do too, but I mean, I'm not a parent, you guys might be, but it's like I kind of only gotta worry about like me and my mom, not like me, my mom, my kids, my My grandchildren, it's, it's much more finite, you know, so this strikes maybe deeper for them and it's upended their lives so much. I mean, just as much as everyone else. So like cut them some slack, right? Help them to communicate in a collaborative way versus an accusatory way with one another. So that means instead of saying, David, you are a blah, 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 blah. That's an accusatory way. That makes people defensive. And then you get in that peace versus victory thing. That's a victory. That's a a war. That's war talk. A collaborative talk is, when you do this, I feel like that. It makes me feel like this. And I don't want to feel like that. Because then I start to resent you. And I don't want to resent you. I love you. You know? So help them listen to what they're saying. And be like, okay, here's how you can talk to dad about this. Instead of being like, what did you do with my sister? Be like, hey, I feel like... You know, I don't know how to resolve this tension between you guys. And I see where both of you are coming from. You know, just kind of try to help her translate her message to a filter that he can understand. If you even want to get that involved. And look, I know when you're all stuck in the same house, it's awful to see your parents fight. It's awful to think like you maybe could help and you don't know how. But also try to remove yourself from it. This is stressing you out, of course, you know, but that's just going to make more tension in the house and create that new secondary problem because then you're going to start snapping a mom who's snapping a grandma who's snapping, and then it's just this like circle jerk of snappishness. So if you want to protect your family, protect your peace. You do that meditation app. You go out and do yoga in the sunshine. You have a daily prayer. You binge watch the Golden Girls. Not the last season that was bad. That's going to help you be this source of centeredness and calmness and presence, and that kind of vibe is infectious, right? That is what's going to make more of a difference than anything. I promise you that will do wonders for everyone's mindset and all the family relationships. This next question comes from Carly, and she said it's about a roommate asking her to move out during COVID motherfucking 19. So she said, I live in an apartment in San Diego, and my roommate's name is on the lease. Over the past several weeks, she's been living with her boyfriend and decided to have him move in with us. Great. Fantastic. And when she spoke to me about it, I said, okay, fine. But now she wants me to move out. Then afterwards, she felt bad about it. And like legally, she can't kick me out because of shelter in place. And hello, I pay my rent. She said I could leave in June or July, so I have time, but she's asking me to put my life at risk. Like what the fuck? I hardly leave my place and I'm scared and I'm just now I don't feel comfortable in my home. What do I do? Ugh. Okay. With all due respect, uh fuck with your roommate wants. Fucker. Who cares? We all want things right now. Did I mention how we all want to be getting laid? We all want to do things. We all want a different living situation. We all want freedom of movement. We all want to call the shots. It's really not realistic right now. I'm sorry. It's just not. Not if we don't want this thing to go on until like the end of time. We got to obey and we got to stay put. And look, just because her name is on the lease doesn't mean she can just kick you out whenever she gets a bee in her bonnet or a boy in her bed. That's legally not how it goes. I do think by June, things will be so much more calmed down and you will feel more comfortable moving. I'm moving myself then. And yeah, I mean, it's scary. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it is happening. And I have to just kind of roll with the punches. So I'm using this time to get my ducks in a row, to pick my new place, to go through my things so I have less stuff to move, to get the movers lined up, to just have it all sorted out. This time right now in quarantine is a recipe for terror. It just, It's a hellscape, right? It's an anxiety hellscape. So we can rewire that energy because that's what it is. It's just free-floating energy. Anxiety, I don't, I don't know. I, maybe we all kind of feel different when anxiety hits us. I struggle with anxiety, you know, and some sometimes I'm like, I have to get into bed. If I even have to be in the living room, I'm going to lose it. And other times I have this almost like manic, you know, it's like I got to clean my apartment and I have to go for a run and blah, blah, blah. It's like there there's energy in both directions. And so I really try to refuel that energy, to rewire it and to siphon it off, like, you know, shaping the path of water. And I try to do it into something positive and constructive. And yeah, I mean, compared to laying in bed all day, getting up and cleaning my kitchen obsessively is great. That's a way better use of my time. So use this good. Use this for good. Figure out your finances. Find places you want to move. Make a vision board about your new digs. Make a Pinterest board for furnishings. Get a decor vibe going. Put things in the cart at Ikea so that when you get out, boom, you hit checkout and you a dumb baby girl. Pile things in boxes for goodwill, which by the way, you can sell. drop donations off, isn't that? That's pretty neat. Mentally move into your new life. And overall, just don't let her bully you. Don't move out and don't even pretend that you will. Say, no, I'm not doing that. I will be out July 1st. This discussion is closed. You have been more than amenable. She's moving a dude into your apartment. I assume you don't have a 5,000 square foot apartment. It's probably a two person dwelling, not a three person. And guys just take up so much more room. Just like energy wise. You know, you can always tell when there's a dude in the house like, hey, I'm sorry I knocked over the TV. You know, they're just like bigger and they're clumsy, like big old golden retrievers. And look, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I've had shitty roommates. I've had tense roommate situations, and you feel like a hostage. It's just agonizing. Like your home is supposed to be your sanctuary, especially now when we need sanctuarying. <laughs> we need sanctuaryization. Sanctuaryization. Sure. So that's when you start to focus on those constructive tasks. It'll keep you filled with a sense of power and a sense of control over your own life and your surroundings. Remember, this quarantine is a season. And all seasons end. All of them end. I didn't really understand the concept of seasons growing up in California. Not not really a thing. Oh, do I put on a hoodie? Okay. Do I put on flip-flops? We always say that we go through a season in a day. In the morning, it's winter. You know, (laughs) late morning, it's spring. Afternoon, it's summer. But then I got to New York and I'm like, oh, fuck. This is, what is happening outside? And in the middle of winter, you feel like it's just never going to end. You're like in Narnia before Aslan, right? But it does end. And one thing that I always go back to is, you know, the saying bikini bodies are made in the winter. You got to plan ahead. You want that payoff in the summer, whether that's the actual summer or that's an emotional summer, you got to make this the time that you cultivate that. So think of this as a winter season, What do you do in the winter? You work on things. This isn't the time that you're showing up and you're showing out and you're branching out and you're doing all this stuff. No, this is the cocooning. This is the hibernation. And that is a mental challenge. It truly is a mental challenge. And it's a physical challenge to stay in and hibernate. But it doesn't have to be a fruitless challenge. You can come out of this better. Stop looking at these things as setbacks and start trying just a little bit to reframe them as set-ups. Our last question comes from Tara. And she said, can you please break down the psychology and the mindset of a guy who stays with the girl he leaves you for? We were together for a year when he ghosted me and we broke up and I found out that he cheated and I just like figured this was a rebound, of course. But they full blown ended up engaged within two months and they're still together with a kid, by the way, less than a year after we broke up. It seems like they're on and off, but also that like he's really in love with her. I know this doesn't scream quality guy, but I'm just interested in a human behavioral standpoint. Like, what is going on? Is it common for guys to stay with their rebound? Mm. 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 <laughs> this is such a good question. This is such a good question. So the short answer, is it common? Yes. More than you'd think. Is it healthy, though? No. No, 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 it's not. Someone, probably a meme said that the person who moves on the fastest after a breakup was the one who was in the wrong. And when I read that, I was like, (gasps) like, I've been that person. And I've obviously been on the other side of it. You know, it's so true. People do that because not only can they not be alone, they can't sit inside their own wrongdoing, right? That's what the I don't want to be alone is. It's not I don't want to be alone because I'm bored and I'm not getting laid. No. Have I brought up getting laid too much in this podcast? I'm sorry. It's that Alone means my own decisions come creeping in. The truth comes creeping in. They can't handle that. They can't handle being the bad guy. So they leap into a new relationship where they're the good guy. The new chick, no baggage. I'm the good guy. I'm the cool guy. I'm the charming guy. Everything I do is neat and brand new and she is impressed. She doesn't know I'm a cheating, ghosting son of a bitch. They just pave over the past, right? Well, the past catches up to you. This poor girl he shacked up with has no idea he's got this whole ghost train of baggage with him, you know, but he does. And that's why they're on and off, though. That's very, very telling. Another reason people stay with the rebound is because dating someone successfully after a split makes you feel like you got away from something. Like you outran the pain or escaped prosecution or something like that. I was talking with my friend the other day and like she's gone through a breakup, like someone she was with for a few years. And like pretty soon after that she met this new guy and we were like, yeah, see, you don't need this dude. Like whatever. We were so excited. But then that sort of went belly up and she was devastated. I mean, devastated. And they weren't super serious. They, you know, they'd slept together a few times, whatever. But it's like, it was harder for her to lose that, that new, that rebound, than it was the actual long-term relationship. Or at least that's how it seemed, right? That's how it seemed on the surface. Oh my God, she's so upset about losing Will. But it was like, Tyler, like she didn't really bat an eye. No, 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 no. It's, it was, it was Tyler. Because she was so devastated because it was the pain of both that she'd been trying to avoid. You know, it's this avalanche of emotion. The brain's primary purpose is to avoid pain, right? Because if you're in pain, you're not hunting, you're not mating, you're not doing anything, you're just stuck. So this dude, your ex, is going to tell himself whatever he has to. Make any concessions to keep this relationship going. He's going to double down. He's going to have a kid, goddammit. So that no one's going to look at him and be like, hey, like, maybe leaving Tara was a bad idea. No, nope, I had a kid. And post manically on Insta, all these happy photos, get married, whatever he needs to do in order to outrun the truth. I'm a shitty man who did shitty things and I'm too lazy to change it, right? And my friend who was trying to pave over her heartache, you know, just because you move on, does it doesn't mean that you're the wrong, you know, that you were the bad one in the relationship or that you were wrong. It Maybe you got left or maybe you were just ready to leave, but it's still, a, a, it's not a matter of right and wrong, I guess. It's a matter of processing. And what do we say at the beginning? Let's trust the process. And processes are painful and they're scary and they're chaotic. Growth is the same way, right? But if you trust that process, all right, I'm going to sit in this bullshit, this post-breakup pain, and I'm just going to let the process, process, I'm going to just try to do it. I'm just going to try to get there. It's, it's a lot easier. Giving birth, let's go back to the birth thing. Give, like, having a vaginal birth is easier on your body a lot of times than a C-section. A C-section. C-section is, is rough, man. I mean, it's a surgery. They cut through your abdominal wall. You have a healing process. It takes longer. And so it's always funny to me. You know, you read these articles every so often. It's like, oh, so-and-so, the celebrity, she wants a scheduled C-section because she doesn't want to go into labor. She doesn't want to push. And it's like, ooh, girl. You know, you're trying to outrun the process. And if you just kind of, like, accept it, then you might... Move through it faster and the recovery might be better, right? I'm just plain old terrified of having to have a (laughs) C-section. No, thanks. Maybe we'll just go with dogs. So my friend was trying to kind of outrun that process. And then when the rebound went belly up, she really had to look it all in the face and thought, "Okay, I got to mourn and then I got to learn and I got to pick myself back up. And I think for you, Tara, with this dude who moved on so quick, honestly, I think you dodged a bullet. This guy doesn't seem to be too inclined to be self-aware or to grow or to learn. He just wants to pave over it and avoid the pain. And that's not someone who's gonna be. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shall If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shalinLester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet. Stay Savage! With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed.